Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there friends, I'm Nuclear Yuki, and welcome once again to a nuclear reading show. Today we're continuing on with KCAT's Fallout Equestria. And also, if you're enjoying what I'm bringing to the cold, dark wasteland, don't be afraid to tell your friends about me, or find me on Twitter as Nuclear Yuki. It's a big help. Oh, and a bit of a disclaimer, since the gangs can be a bit feisty, Fallout is owned by Bethesda and Hasbro made My Little Pony French Biz Magic. With all that said and done, welcome, friends, to the Wasteland. Chapter 39, This Coming Storm, Part 2. Zebra potions! The elderly Pegasus insisted proudly when Calamity rather bluntly asked about his longevity. Radar thumped a sienna hoof against his chest, wincing slightly, and exclaimed, I ain't nothing better. Them strappers have locked all matter of secrets with their bruins. You'd be amazed. Actually, I can believe it. I told the wrinkled old sienna pony whose close-cropped mane might have been white even before the turn of the century. I chuckled, eyeing Calamity, who looked caught between an urge to dash and a desire to break into squeeze of, Oh my gosh! 
It was a reunion he'd never expected, with a pony he had never known. But the mere idea that he wasn't the only dashite in the equestrian wasteland seemed to have overwhelmed him. That darn dumb start young and fresh water might have usurped my position on the city council. I even taken over my place as the head researcher. But you can't force me to retire. Not when there's plenty of life and mind in me. Radar insisted. I'm as feared as I ever was. To prove it, the old Pegasus stretched out his wings and flew halfway across the loft in the back of the science station. He made it three full yards before having to land, wheezing frightfully. Whoa there, Calamity said. The spell he seemed to be under breaking. He flew up to the wobbling elderly Pegasus, trying up to steady him. The radar pushed the younger Dashite away. I said I was fit. Don't need no help. He looked between us. Now, who are you folk and what can old radar do for you? I am Calamity, my friend said warmly. And this is my best friend, Lil Pip. I'm a Dashite, down from the clouds for about seven years now. I thought I was the only one around. I mean, I heard stories of you, but you left the Enclave so long ago. And now they've come back, Radar pointed out. Hell of a bad bit of timing. Calamity nodded morosely. Radar looked Calamity up and down. Tell me, what do you think they're here for? I don't know, Calamity admitted, but I don't think they're here to save the wasteland. The elderly Pegasus smirked. Ah, so you don't buy the horse apples they're shoveling over the radio none either. Calamity shook his head. Good buck. I was beginning to think it was just me. And you, what's your name? Radar turned to me. Uh, how about you, young'un? You think they come down from the big old sky to save your tail? Little Pip, I reminded him. And no, no, I definitely don't. Radar smiled, nodding sagely. Well, where I see it, it's got to do with a sustainable Pegasus project. That's the key to the Enclave's power. How so? I asked. Agriculture, you silly corn, Radar stated. Without the towers, the Enclave can't feed the ponies. The Pegasi wouldn't be able to survive cut off from above the cloud curtain. Remember when you asked me what we ate up here, and I joked about cloud seeding? Calamity had told us, referring to a conversation we had in the early morning after the Pinky Bell farm. I don't know what them towers were originally meant to do, but I know that the Enclave has repurposed them to do. And that's to enchant the clouds for miles around them so we can grow crops right up in the sky. Without that, Radar insisted, the Enclave falls. Radar plans to take control of the, uh, SPP. He wants control of the weather. Radar scoffed, muttering under his breath. Good luck with that. I remembered what Calamity had said back in Spike's cave. Only time they can act as one is when they're feeling threatened. Then, from their perspective, Radar surmised, it's him or them. Luna's shuddering moonquakes, I cursed, getting a raised eyebrow from the elderly Pegasus, and I whispered, Shai does this a lot, from Calamity. We could have seen this coming. I looked to Calamity in sullen weariness. When we first learned that Red Eye was messing with the Philadelphia Tower, we could have at least guessed the Enclave would be stepping in sooner or later. By the time we'd left Cantalot, we should have known for sure. I bit my lower lip. It was only a matter of time, the moment they cottoned on to Red Eye's plan. It ain't like the Enclave's been paying the Equestrian Wasteland all that much attention, Calamity told me. At least it never seemed like they did to me. Few scaling parties every year. Wait! Radar suddenly flew up to me, his snout pressing against mine. 
Yo said your name was Little Pip. Yes? I stammered, taken aback. You ever been to the Ministry of Awesome? For the ground amount of the enclatorial catalogue down from the mountain? I watched the monitor as Radar keyed up the sequence. Y'all have been in the Ministry of Awesome? Calamity asked Radar, unable to conceal his shock. Yeah, I was, Radar replied. It was decades ago, not long after they burned the cutie mark off of me. I was hoping to find answers. He looked at us as the monitor came to life, showing first static and then a scene of the MAW basement, the shield dominating the centre. I didn't get no farther than the security station, and I zoomed out of there leaving the whole damn place on high alert behind me. But I did manage to snatch up this little gem from the security logs. I watched the monitor. The timestamp on the log was old, a few years post-apocalypse. What did you mean, good luck with that? I asked as I watched the minutes tick by on the recording. What now? When I said Red Eye was planning to take over the SPP, I reminded him, you said good luck with that. Radar made a sound of understanding. Well, the whole damn enclave's been trying to get into the central hub for generations now. If they can't do it, I don't see how Red Eye has a chance. He's got a plan, I said confidently. Does he now? Radar scoffed. Well, I'd love to hear it, because that place is locked up tighter than my ex-wife's anus. Oh, goddesses, how I did not need the images that conjured. Place has the best defenses equestrian you could build, as this super shield round is so powerful nothing is been able to penetrate it. Suppose it has super guns too, but they're all inside the shield, and that shield is so over-designed they're pretty much useless. I know the Enclave has built a whole base around it. Calamity added. How mess of troops just to guard a place no opponent can get into? Radar chuckled, grinning at Calamity. Never found anybody could get through. Enclave had cancel figures of Shield's own key to Roma Dash herself, and Dash had no surviving kin. So when she left, she pretty much screwed the powers that were out of their prize. Well, bet they took that well, Calamity grinned back. Dimes are a traitor, they did, Radar spat. St. Griffin makes to kill her and bring back her head. Hoped some point wearing rainbow dash around their neck might be able to walk through. Calamity and I both gasped in horror. I turned from the monitor. The Enclave wanted... that's... goddesses. Radar agreed grimly, correcting me in one point. Well, they weren't exactly the Enclave quite yet, but they were getting there right quick. What happened? Radar stated simply. Well, either they never got our head, or they did and it didn't work. Pinkie Pie? Rainbow Dash's voice floated up from the monitor. I shifted back to see the rather bedraggled Cyan Pegasus walking into the basement. The security camera zoomed in, following her. You here? Pinkie Pie? She tried again, sounding so small in the vast room. I brought them, just like you asked. What's this about? Her words echoed off the walls. The light of hope in her wide eyes slowly diminished. Rainbow Dash stopped a few yards in front of the shield, the magical light painting shadows across her features as she looked around. You weren't kidding about the health potions, by the way. I'm down to my last one, and I still need to make it out of this pink stew outside. That stuff is awful. The room remained still and silent. The light in her eyes went out entirely her expression becoming painfully sad. You're not here, are you? 
Rainbow Dash asked to the emptiness around her. I guess that means you didn't make it either. Rainbow Dash stepped solemnly through the shield. She walked up to the little pedestal sitting at its centre and the memory box resting upon it. Its lid slightly ajar. Rainbow Dash nudged it open with her nose, revealing three memory orbs and spaces for three more. The second, third and fifth were missing. I don't know what you needed these for, or who this little pip you mentioned in your note is, but I sure hope it's as important as you said it is. Rainbow Dash frowned, her voice soft and sad. She reached into her saddlebags and pulled a memory orb out with her teeth, gently setting it in the spot reserved for the butterfly orb. It wasn't easy getting these things, especially with Gilda on my tail. But even she isn't brave enough to follow me into what's become a cantalot, much less my own ministry. She put the star orb into its resting place. But she is waiting for me out there, and after that pink crap, I'm not sure I can take her. Rainbow Dash fished out the final memory orb, the one to be placed in the holder with her own cutie mark. She paused, staring at the little emblem of the cloud and its rainbow lightning bolt, then sighed and put the orb into its place. Rainbow Dash shifted her attention into the orb in the fourth holder, the balloon orb. But I trust you. You know that. You said this was important. And I believe you and I wouldn't leave my friend hanging. Even... even after she was... The last word was barely a whisper. Gone. A single tear trailed down her cheek as she gave a weary smirk. One last prank, right? Together as always. She lifted a hoof and pressed the orb box closed, the click of the lock loud in the sepulchre room. I reached out and touched the monitor screen, tears welling in my eyes. Rainbow Dash turned and started to walk away. As she reached the inside of the shield, she stopped. Her face screwed up with determination. But you know what, Pinky? Since you're not here, I'm changing the rules. Rainbow Dash spun around and trotted over to the mainframe on the far side of the shielded area. If somebody comes poking around in here, I want to know. I'm setting an alarm to go off in every Ministry of Awesome hub. If I'm still alive, I want to meet this little pip of yours. Dash paused. Sorry, Pinks. She said, looking back over her shoulder. I hope you don't mind. I watched the rest of the recording in stunned, comprehending silence. Friendship City rose above us, concentric rings of stores and homes, connected by walkways and platforms that span out from a central spiralling stairwell, ascending through the chimney-like open space like a plume of smoke rising to the head of the Pony of Friendship. Crowds of ponies moved up and down the spiral stair, diverting onto the catwalks and merging with the traffic that surrounded the layers of scavenged material structures built into the interior walls of the massive statue. A city built from junk. A fair portion of it pulled from ships which had sunk in the harbour. A small forest of support beams further congested the lower levels. Ponies gathered around a watering hole called Sparkles, run by a friendly but slightly frazzled mare with the cutie mark of a sparkle collar on her flank. Her assistants moved between tables nearby, taking orders and delivering homogenous deep-fried foodstuffs. From a radio nearby blared the sound of heavy horns, marching drums and rumbling thunder. Enclave music. Ponies stopped to stare at us as Kalamzi and I walked through Friendship City. Conversations died on unfinished sentences. For once, their gazes weren't oppressing me. 
It was the presence of a Pegasus in their midst that snatched their attention. Invariably, their eyes would quickly search out Calamity's flank. We no longer wore the anti-radiation barding, having left it with one of Dr. Freshwater's more amiable assistants. Without barding or battle saddle, Calamity looked strangely naked beneath his desperado hat. At the sight of Calamity's Dashite brand, nervous faces broke into smiles. We were soon mobbed by strangers wherever we went, all offering friendly greetings to my Pegasus friend and his little mare companion. I had garnered no attention at all until two Friendship City guards approached wearing heavy barding and cheery pastel colours that closely matched their manes. Welcome to Friendship City, Calamity. One of them smiled, offering a hoof. Word of our visit had spread faster than the crowds had allowed us to travel. And you must be the stable dweller that DJ Pwn3 keeps cheering. It's an honour to meet you, miss. I felt myself blushing hard as I stared up at the security pony. I'm sorry about shooting you last week, the pony said looking chagrined, offering me his hoof. I was reaching out to shake it when his dour partner groused sullenly. I'm not. I froze. The guard looked to his partner in dismay, but the other guard pony stood her ground. She shot those old parents right in front of them, she said, glaring at me, with bullets of fire. My hoof dropped back to the scrap metal floor. They call you Hellmare, you know. The guard glowered kids. The other guard, the buck, put a hoof over his face in embarrassment. All right, Nightbright, let's just go. He looked at us regretfully. I'm sorry about that, folks. As the two guards moved away, Nightbright looked back over her shoulder and mouthed slowly, bullets of fire. Welcome to Black Sea Supplies. The black-maned indigo mare at the counter greeted us genially as she took in the sight of us. My name's Black Seas. I'm the mayor of this fine city, and the owner of this fine store. And you must be Little Pip and Calamity. She smiled. Word gets around. Thank you for stopping in. What can I do for you today? I looked around, feeling dazed. The small cargo ship that Black Seas Supplies was built out of had been cut apart and imported into the Pony of Friendship, and then rebuilt almost completely. Metal flooring and rows of shells had been welded into the hold. Narrow metal stairs led up to the living quarters which had once been the captain's cabin. An old model precursor to the terminal, a combination of monitor and intercom system, was built into the wall behind a counter that looked like it had been scavenged from a diner. Calamity fluttered forward to greet Mayor Blackseas. I'm pleased to meet you. He grinned back affably. Mind if I take a poke around your store? I'm looking to do some trading. Well, that's a damn fine coincidence. Black Seas grinned back. That's what Black Seas Supplies is here for. After all, we've got about everything you might be looking for. Here, let me show you. I watched in foggy amusement as Black Seas and Calamity dove into business. My Pegasus friend looking to unload a lot of what he scavenged in the Ministry of Image in return for bottle caps, ammo and medical supplies, with an emphasis on Radaway. Black Seas was a skilled and charismatic barter mare though, and soon had him shopping for a gift for Velvet Remedy something to touch her heart, a reminder that there was really good in ponies worth fighting for. My thoughts were still drowning in the cold reminder of Arbu, leaving me detached from my surroundings and the conversation in front of me. I barely reacted when the door opened and an arsenic-coloured stallion brushed by, carrying a walking stick in his muzzle. I only reacted when the stick transformed into a magical energy blaster and he fired it at the mayor. Talk her hello! Calamity was faster, flying into Black Seas knocking her out of the path of the shot and into a shelf of lunchboxes, 
sensor modules and garden gnomes which rained down upon the indigo mare. The blast of lethal magic stuck a display of steam gauge assemblies, pulverising it. My first reaction was to pull out little Macintosh, but with the start I realised my most trusted weapon was not with me. Calamity pivoted, hooves dropping to the floor as he stood between the assassin and Black Seas. The stallion shifted to get another shot, realising he would have to take Calamity out to get to his target. I lashed out with my telekinesis, lifting the arsenic-coloured pony and pushing him against the far wall where two shelves blocked his view of both my friend and the mayor mare. I wrapped my magic around his neck, squeezing. The stallion kicked and failed, his eyes bulging, the magical weapon dropping to the floor with a clatter. Black Seas was climbing back onto her hooves, a couple garden gnomes rolling off her back as the assassin lost consciousness. I released him. The mayor blinked slowly, shaking her head. Well, it seems like your reputation as heroes is well-founded, she said, wincing slightly from a sprain. Thanks for saving my life. It's what we do, Calamity said. More for my benefit, I suspected, than hers. Why do you reckon he was out to kill you? The mayor frowned. I'm pretty sure Raspberry Tart was behind this, she proclaimed, trotting over to the old terminal. She pressed one of the buttons under the monitor and barked, Tart! I need to speak to you right now. The indigo pony tapped her hoof impatiently, glancing to Calamity. Would you be a dear and tie that bastard up? Her eyes dropped to the magical energy weapon on the floor. And how the hell did Lantern miss that? I stepped up to where the weapon had tumbled, floating it upwards to examine it. It was a model I'd never encountered before. But then I was barely knowledgeable about magical energy weapons. You might want to ask Grandpa Rattle about that, I suggested. The spell disguising the blaster as a stick was too similar to the old box magical research to be a coincidence. I have a shotgun. I couldn't imagine Grandpa Rattle working with murderous ponies, though. At least, not willingly. I was suddenly fearful for the crazy old buck. The monitor flickered to life, showing the face of a grossly overweight pomegranate mare with a yellow mane and an overly charismatic smile. Oh, Mayor Blacksies, how good it is to hear from you. Her words virtually oozed out of the speaker above the monitor. And what do I owe the honour of your call this evening? You know exactly why I'm calling you murderous bitch. Blacksies spat, stopping her hoof. You just sent a pony to kill me. Language, she chided, her smile unfazed by the accusation. Now, now. It is hardly befitting the mayor of our glorious city to use such a foul sentiment, or to go slinging such dreadful false accusations. You deny it, then? Blacksies narrowed her eyes. Well, seeing as the would-be assassin failed, I'm sure we can put this to rest after Chief Lantern has a day or two with him in her interrogation room. Oh? The blob of mayor looked surprised. He survived, then. Good. The sooner the chief can ferret out the true culprit, the better, no? Although it will cut into your opportunities for slander. What's the pity? I trotted up, floating the intended murder weapon in front of me. Blacksies looked at it, and then back to Raspberry Tart. And I don't suppose you have any idea how a weapon like this could have found its way into Friendship City? Shouldn't you be asking that of Chief Lantern? She suggested. Blacksies nickered. We both know that anything that finds its way into Friendship City behind her back has gotten in through you. The pomegranate mayor feigned offence. Despite what you claim, Mayor, 
the common room is not a den of smugglers and thieves. And, as the voice of the ponies, I think you should have more faith in them. Her words washed over my ears like slime. Besides, let's be honest, if I wanted to kill you, I would never use so crude a method. I'd poison your food. Raspberry Tart got the reaction she was looking for. Flaxie's eyes widened just a moment before narrowing again. The overweight mare virtually purred in pleasure. I was beginning to deeply and egregiously dislike Raspberry Tart. Now be a darling and keep me informed, would you, Mayor? Raspberry Tart pressured. As head of the Merchants' Union, I have a right to know about the shenanigans that threaten the peace and safety of all our little ponies. Of course. Mayor Blacksey's groused before cutting the connection. The mayor's expression was cloudy. Slimy worm of a mare. Now Chief Lantern will have to spare guards for this viper. Just to make sure he doesn't have an unpleasantly life-ending accident before he can be questioned. She kicked one of the scattered garden gnomes. And I'm going to be obsessing over where I get my food. Any way we can help? The mayor raised her eyebrows. Could you get a confession? She shook her head. You've already helped me more than I could ask, but... She thought a moment. If you could sneak a listening device into her office above the common room, I may be able to catch her saying something about this mess that I could take to the council. I grinned, crossing her pitbuck bonded foreleg in front of me. Sneaky is one of my specialities. My plan was simple. I'll use my stealth buck to turn invisible. Slip past Raspberry Tart's guards and defences. Even if she's in the room, I'll be able to plant the listening device and get out unnoticed. I looked down at the MG Stealth Buck 2 set into my pit leg. I'd already used it to get in and then out of Tempony Tower. The device hadn't had much time to recharge, but if I moved swiftly and all went well, I would only need about ten minutes. I don't like the timing of this, Calamity said, flying over me as I pushed my way through Friendship City towards Sparkles. My innards had stopped queezing after Life Bloom had purged me of taint, and over the last few hours, my stomach had begun to rumble. It reminded me that I hadn't swallowed anything other than water and Radaway in days. At least half of my weakness was from starvation. You think the attack on the mayor has something to do with us? I asked. Calamity had echoed my own concerns. For the attack to take place right after we walked into the store was a hell of a coincidence. And I was growing unfond of coincidences. Well, no. Calamity admitted. Not us particularly. Between Red Eye and the Enclave and the death of the goddess, there's just too much going down right now for me to believe this is all just happening now by chance. He let out a growl of frustration and dropped in defeat, hanging limply from his wings. Hell, for all we know, the Hellhounds might be plotting this. Pony nap and coercion ain't exactly outside their limited vocabulary. So this could be my fault, I moaned, staring at the floor. Add it to the list. Hi now, Clamty perked up, landing in front of me. None of this is your fault, girl. Red Eye's been plotting against the goddess and the enclave since long before y'all stepped out of that stable. He argued with confidence. I was working on ways to get into the Ministry of Arsam and chances are he had already found one. He did already have griffins to help shut down the security systems. All y'all did was bump up the clock on the enclave's arrival. And I reckon that's probably a good thing if it throws a bump on a Red Eye's wagon. I turned away, but Calamity grasped my head between his hooves and made me look at him, his wings flapping as he lifted back off the walkway. You're blaming yourself for those dead hellhounds, maybe even steel hooves. My wince betrayed me. Well, you can just stop that nonsense right now, you hear? 
You got that bomb away from Red Eye and used it to take out a genocidal threat. What do you think Red Eye was going to have done if you haven't? He stared into my eyes forcefully. At best, he'd have done the same himself. At worst, he'd have used it on a party population center strong enough to stand in his way. Hell, he was already threatening Tempo in a tower with it. I realized I was crying. Oh, damn it, little pip, Calamity said, his expression softening. Come here now, let me get you something to eat. I followed him obediently. The crowd had thinned around sparkles. The waitress mares were looking thankful for the respite. The music on the radio had been replaced by an authoritative voice. Colluding with a monstrosity in Splendid Valley which called herself the Goddess. This goddess was the mother of the horrific alicorns who have been tormenting the equestrian wasteland, endangering the lives of all good ponies like yourselves. But the fiendish plot to Red Eye and the goddess made the murders at alicorn hooves and magic pale in comparison. My face slapped into Calamity's backside as the Pegasus stopped abruptly, his ears up, listening. It was their intention to rip you from your homes and from your families, to force you into enduring agonizing, tangerine transformations that render you into a mindless slave. Red Eye and the Goddess have been working together not to just take your freedoms and your lives, but to annihilate individuality and to devour your very souls. I stumbled back, shaking my head, and then joined Calamity, wondering what the Enclave was up to. If they thought the Goddess was so bad, I whispered to my friend, why did they try to ally with her? Naturally, the Grand Pegasus Enclave could not let this stand. We may have been gone a while, but we have not forgotten our unicorn and earth pony brothers and sisters, and we were not about to allow these abominations to violate and destroy all of you. This is why we detonated a mega spell beneath the home of the goddess, the Maripony facility in Splendid Valley. My jaw dropped, the world seeming to spin out from under me. Who the hell are you? Raspberry Tart spat as she saw me. What the hell are you doing in my loft? And how did you get past my guards? I had planted the littering device and been halfway out the door when the stealth buck died. The tub of pony flesh wobbled about to face me from her place on the lounge bed behind her desk. Gizmo, get in here! I felt a pony move swiftly behind me, blocking my exit. Gizmo, escort our uninvited guest out. The bulbous pomegranate mare requested of the stallion behind me. Preferably through a window. Wait, I said, thinking swiftly. I'm here about the contract on Black Seas. Raspberry Tart raised a mocking eyebrow. What contract? Ah, I remember you. You were standing in the background when our good mayor called me up to start slinging accusations. She hefted up one of her slab-like hooves, signalling the stallion behind me to wait. What do you want? The gaze in my head spun. The pony who tried to kill the mayor was sloppy and stupid, and now the mayor trusts me. I gave her my best conspiring smile. I could do the job easily, and correctly, but it wouldn't be cheap. Raspberry Tart sighed. Do you really think I'm that stupid? Do you really think you could pull the wool over my eyes that easily? I found myself picturing an attempt to cover her with wool, the rolls of fat and the massive jowls. Not enough sheep in the world, I muttered aloud before I could stop myself. She rolled her eyes. You know, I really don't like being insulted, especially not from home invaders. Gizmo, tear the little pony's legs off, would you? Oops. I cantered, circling to see Gizmo. 
My eyes widened as I took in the surgical scars and the mechanical wings. Gizmo was a cyberpony, almost certainly a refugee from Stable 101. Gizmo spun, spreading out his wings to slash at me. I dodged to the side. The blades of those wings were whisking through the air inches from my eyes. I couldn't guess if those cybernetic wings would actually allow the earth pony to fly like a pegasus, but the feathers were razor sharp. Gizmo somersaulted, his wings lifting and slicing through the air at me as I dove for cover, casting about for something to use as a weapon. Gizmo spun again and bucked, turning the chair I'd moved behind into a batting ram that knocked me over. My armor took the blow, leaving me winded but unhurt. Gizmo, stop playing with your food, Raspberry Tart ordered lazily. Just finish her already. I scrambled for the door. Gizmo jumped up onto a couch and leapt into the air, spreading out his wings. Maybe he couldn't actually fly with them, but they allowed him to glide. He swooped across the room and landed on me with all his hooves, driving me to the floor. I focused, my horn glowing. I was weak and weaponless, but I'd fought my way through Cantalot, damn it. And old Olmey. There was no way I was going to fall to some two-bit crook's augmented mook. I felt a hoof pressed down on the back of my head as Gizmo shifted so he could angle a wing at my neck. Then I heard the squelching sound as I telekinetically drove my screwdriver down his ear and into his brain. Gizmo collapsed off me, twitching. It took him almost a minute to die. Pushing myself back up, I turned towards Raspberry Tart. All right, shall we try this again? Or I could just finish off myself. I don't think you could, I snarked. I'm not a pie. My horn glowed as I levitated Gizmo's body, pointing one of his razor wings towards her broad throat. Now, one last time. Raspberry Tart took fresh stock of me. You might just be useful after all. Chief Lantern was waiting with the mayor when Calamity and I returned to Black Seed Supplies. Did you get all that? I asked easily the moment I trotted through the door. Yes. Blacksey's informed me with a heavy tone, her expression cloudier than ever. I drew up short. This was not the demeanour of a mare who just had her rival floated to her on a silver platter. And almost immediately after, I got a call from Raspberry Tart reporting your attempt to barter for my murder. I stammered. What? Wait, I, I wasn't... I was trying to get her to say something that I, I wasn't actually offering... Chief Lantern waved a hoof. Don't worry, girl. We know that. It would take an amazingly stupid assassin to negotiate a contract against a target she knew was listening through a device she planted herself. Oh. I breathed a sigh of relief. But Raspberry Tart covered her tail, made it look like she was just playing along in order to bring another wannabe assassin to justice. We can't use anything she said to you against her. Calamity bristled. Well, how about her sticking that saber pony on Lil Pip? You were invading her home, Chief Lantern told me. Anyway, it doesn't matter now, Mayor Blacksey's claimed. We've got bigger problems. Calamity whinnied. What now? Mayor Blacksey's moved over to the terminal. Just after she called at us, Raspberry Tart made another call. She pressed a button. An unfamiliar stallion's voice sounded through the speaker. Hello? Who is this? Well, hello to you too, darling. Raspberry Tart's voice slithered. We're all set for your visit. I've cleared the way. When your boys get here, the doors will be open and waiting for them. The package they're looking for doesn't suspect a thing. But we have had one small setback. 
Those aren't words I like. The stallion informed her coolly. You shouldn't be telling me words I don't like. Mayor Blacksees is still going to be a problem. Raspberry Tart whined. The mayor and the security chief exchanged glances as they listened. I could hear a heavy sigh through the speaker. The mayor of that rusty monument you call a city was your responsibility. We are more than ready and capable of doing things the hard way if we meet any resistance. Of, of course, Raspberry Tart said, sounding a little worried now. The stallion neighed. Personally, I would prefer the hard way. Tends not to leave loose ends. No, that won't be necessary, darling. How long until we can expect your arrival? There was a snort from the unidentified stallion. Our raptors are 80 minutes out. Should give you plenty of time to either fix your little problem or flee the city. The enclave was coming for Friendship City. I... I could just turn myself over to them. I offered meekly. The ponies gathered in the council room with me stared appraisingly. What makes you think you're the one they're after? Dr. Freshwater asked, raising an eyebrow. Well... I grimaced. I had no other reason for my assumption other than timing and the fact that it always seemed to be me. Who else would it be? Oh, hell no! Calamity spat. He turned to the others. Y'all aren't handing over any pony to the Enclave. He paused, his determination melting into hope. Are ya? The door opened behind us and Chief Lantern marched in, followed by several security ponies. Raspberry Tart's gone. Looks like she took one of the boats. Good riddance. Mayor Blacksees nickered. We can't worry about her now. Question is, do we fight, evacuate, or both? Do we have enough boats to evacuate every pony? Dr. Freshwater asked, turning to the security chief. The pony shook his head sadly. Maybe we did five years ago, but not anymore. We can get maybe a third of the population packed into the boats we have. Slightly less, seeing as Tart took one of them. To be fair, I noted disdainfully, she kind of took up a whole one herself. Calamity shook his head. If their target might be in one of those boats, they'll just sink them all. Chief Lantern growled. Well, we fight then. It's what we have those harbour guns for. Dr. Freshwater looked at the others. Are we seriously not going to put negotiation on the table? Based on that recording, they only want one pony. Have we put the lives of every pony in the city at risk for just one? She stared at us imploringly. Shouldn't we even ask who they want? And if it's you? Calamity nickered. Then what? The doctor frowned. Well, then I tried to get away. Alone. Can we try to communicate with them using Raspberry Tart's terminal? I suggested. If I was the Enclave's target, I was more than willing to give myself up to spare the city. And I was sure Calamity felt the same. But letting the Enclave close in on the city while we waited to find out who they were after felt like a tactical disaster. For not the first time, I wondered what Steelhoofs would recommend. Have recommended. The little pony in my head reminded me, bringing heavy clouds of sorrow. Chief Lantern shook his head. I already tried that. They're not responding. Not a good sign. Sounds to me like they've decided to do this the hard way anyhow. I turned on my Pitbuck radio, listening to the Enclave's overriding broadcast in my earbloom. I didn't expect to glean any real clue as to what they were up to. 
but I felt I'd better start keeping appraised of what they were saying. For the moment, I was only getting dark, funeral-esque marching anthems. Stillhoof's funeral had been this morning. The loss of my friend had wrapped my heart in chokingly tight sorrow, and the dour tones of the music were cutting at me like sharp metal wings. Calamity was off-assisting Chief Lantern. A quick inspection of the harbour guns had revealed sabotage, apparently part of Raspberry Tart's clearing the way for the Enclave. The damage had been inexpert, and Calamity was certain they could have at least half of the harbour guns working again before the Enclave arrived, but they had to work fast. I followed Dr. Freshwater to the observation room and stared in through the anti-radiation window. Greenish-yellow light poured brightly through the glass. Inside, Dixie Doo saw me approach the window and waved a wing. A device mounted into the wall clickety-clicked, reading the ambient radiation inside the room. Let's try again. One of the lab technicians, a cream-coated unicorn with a cornflower blue mane, spoke into a microphone. Focus! The unicorn technician began to walk Ditsy Doo through the mental exercises that young unicorn fillies and cults used to practice telekinesis. But Ditsy Doo wasn't a unicorn. She had no magic. What could they be expecting? The radiation counter squealed as the light in the room became momentarily blinding. Ditsy Doo tumbled to the floor comically the burst of energy from her own body knocking her off kilter. Oh, very good! The unicorn technician cheered into the microphone, clapping his hooves together in applause. Keep that up and you'll be able to purge yourself of radiation in just a couple days. Inside the chamber, Dittidu pranced joyfully. Now, let's go again, the unicorn said with a happy chuckle. But this time, try to keep centred so you don't keep knocking yourself over. I smiled to Dittidu and applauded too. Somehow... Watching her joy made the storm clouds over my own head scatter, if just for a little while. The music in my ear bloom ended, and a voice began to speak. I turned away from the glass, listening. I didn't want Ditsy Doo to see the expressions I expected to play across my face. Greetings, ponies of the equestrian wasteland. The Grand Pegasus Enclave embraces our earthbound brothers and sisters. I know many of you are mourning the loss of Cantalot, such an iconic symbol of the equestria that was. The royal city was destroyed centuries ago, and all that remained was a breeding ground for monsters and poisons. Sometimes, in order to allow the body to heal, we must cut away the infected flesh. I could feel the scowl forming on my muzzle. I didn't like where this was going. It felt like more than just excusing their attack on the Cantalot ruins. Burn away the diseased areas before the infection spreads. I winced as a blast of static cut through the broadcast nearly making me kick off my ear bloom. Good evening, children! DJ Pwn3's voice burst over the airwaves. It's me again, your old pal DJ Pwn3, coming to you from a secret location somewhere in the Equestrian Wasteland. You didn't think I'd abandon the Equestrian Wasteland just because of the Enclave, did you, children? Now, old DJ Pwn3 ain't got a lot of time before Big Sister Enclave shuts this down, so let's get right to it, shall we? That's right, it's time for the news! Yes! The little pony on my head was bouncing around gleefully. Yes, 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 yes! Now, first up, the truth about what went down in Maripony. Now I've got my information from irrefutable sources, dear children. And I've got to admit, the Enclave is right about one thing. The Goddess was as big as bad a threat of their making her out to be. But that's where the truth stops and the lies begin. Irrefutable sources, I assumed, meant she'd been watching from the towers. But wait. 
Now, I don't know what the Enclave were at Maraponi for, but it sure as hell was not to take out the biggest threat the equestrian wasteland has ever known. No, that deed was performed by none other than your and my favourite heroine, the Stable Dweller. My ears were burning, but I was too happy just hearing Omarja's voice, disguised as it was, to mind. And the bomb she used to do it was the very one Red Eye was threatening Tempony Tower with for weeks. Turns out, our heroine talked Red Eye into giving up his big trump card. Oh, irrefutable sources. Amarge had watched my memories. So that casts serious doubt on the whole Red Eye Goddess alliance the Enclave has been spouting off about. They're lying to you, children. Plain and simple. Now, DJ Pen3 still doesn't know what they're up to, but I can tell you this. The Grand Pegasus Enclave are not your friends. Now keep an ear out, because I'll be- Another burst of static and DJ Pen3's voice was gone. I floated off my ear bloom and held it to my breast, basking in the knowledge that Homage was still out there, still alive, and fighting the good fight in her own very important way. Attention, citizens of Friendship City! The armour-altered voice boomed over the city's public address loudspeakers. We are here to take into custody a Pegasus wanted for crimes against the Grand Pegasus Enclave. His name is Radar. You can recognize him by the following brand on his flank. I stared up at the nearest loudspeaker, a grey box attached to one of the support beams outside Sparkles. I had just made it to the watering hole and was waiting for Calamity's return when the Enclave announcement started. I checked my Pitbuck's clock. The Enclave was early. We almost had 20 more minutes. The Mayor had made our own announcement, urging ponies to return to their homes less than 10 minutes ago. Mayor Blackseas had called it an exercise, knowing that the panic would cost lives. But an exercise didn't have a lot of motivating power. The central chimney wasn't anywhere close to being cleared. Our raptors were nearly 80 minutes out, but their armoured troops were much faster. Failure to produce this Pegasus and turn him over to the Enclave will be considered an act of collusion. Prompt compliance will be rewarded. Refusal will be met with force. The ponies who had stopped to stare and listen began to panic. Ponies began racing up and down the stairs, pushing into each other. A cobalt-coated buck screamed as he was knocked over the railing, falling three stories to slam heavily into the ponies racing about the floor below. Somewhere, the voice of a scared foal cried out. I launched out of my seat, looking around for the source of the voice. With a bang, the doors into the central chimney swung open, and the nightmarishly armoured forms of four enclave pegasi moved in, their scorpion-like tails curling slowly their antenna-like integrated weapons of their enclave armour pulsing with coloured light. Every pony, stay where you are, one of the Pegasi ordered. We are the enclave. We are here to bring one pony to justice. Many ponies stopped, frozen in their tracks. Others raced for the nearest doors, diving inside. I could hear the foal crying under the thunder of hundreds of frightened whispers. We will be searching the premises. The Pegasus informed the crowd. Do not attempt to hide. Do not attempt to flee. Do not attempt to interfere. Obey, and we will be out of your mains in short order. The Pegasus beside him stepped up, as the two behind started to fan out, moving through the crowd. The Pegasus called out. Any pony with information leading to the swift arrest of the Pegasus radar will be rewarded with a finder's fee of 5,000 bits. To their credit, not a single pony in Friendship City seemed to take up their offer. Fuck you! A mint-coated buck shouted from the spiral stairwell. The enclave pony looked up at him, 
The gems on her armor glistened. The ponies around the buck scattered as he was turned into a glittering pile of ash before their eyes. Two more ponies in the crowd broke into a run, trying to make to the door of one of the shops. The glowing bolts of magical energy threaded the crowd, striking down their targets. One of the ponies vaporized, her ashes scattering across the door she'd been trying to reach. The other collapsed onto her side, screaming in pain. I repeat, do not attempt to hide, do not attempt to flee, do not attempt to interfere, obey. I was trembling. If I had my sniper rifle, all four of them would be dead right now. One of the black-clad pegasi started to move through the patrons of Sparkles. She stepped closer to me, walking around behind me as she looked over. I forced myself to stand there silently, knowing any action could put ponies in danger. She paused, her visor turning towards the pitbuck melded into my leg. Every wins. She whispered in revulsion, moving quickly past. I caught sight of the little, wine-coloured filly curled up under the foot of the spiral stairs, shivering and whimpering. My heart went out to her, and I started to inch closer, hoping I could comfort her. I made it halfway when she saw me, her eyes opening wide with utter terror. Helmer! She screamed, scrambling up and fleeing from the sight of me. No! No! The false momentum had carried the glistening pink ash as it glowed and disintegrated, fanning it out across the metal floor. My world shattered apart. I collapsed, my hooves raising to my muzzle as if they could contain my screams. No! Brightwind, you shot a filly! My whole body was shaking. The tears couldn't stop. Oh, goddesses, no! Fly steady, soldier. Fly steady? The second Pegasus rounded on the first. You just shot a filly! Hellmare. I'd killed the filly, just as surely as Brightwind had. I'd killed her by trying to help. The image of her vanishing in a spreading cloud of pinkish glitter kept playing over and over in my mind. I couldn't think of anything else. The first Pegasus, Brightwind, turned to her accuser. We have our orders, and you will obey them. Now fly steady. She wasn't running to warn Vader and to hide him. She was just scared. I take it back. I cried out silently to Celestia and Luna. I take it back. I didn't try to help. I didn't let her see me. Please, bring her back. Let me take it back. No amount of regret or pleading with the goddesses would make the sparkling ash spiral upwards and be reborn in a flash of light. We, we can't know that, soldier. Brightwind insisted defensively. Now either shut up and fly steady, or get your tail back to the raptor and I'll deal with you later. I didn't sign up for this. The Pegasus said turning away from Brightwind and flying back the way they came. The thunder of the harbour guns signalled the arrival of the raptors. Friendship City had not given up their resident dashite. The enclave began a full attack at the 69th minute mark. I had crawled over to the ashes of the Arbu filly, gathering them together with my telekinesis. That's as far as I'd gotten when Calamity had found me, flying and loaded down with all of our weapons. Little bit, what are you doing? He shot a lancing blast of crimson magical energy speared through the upper levels of the Pony of Friendship, slicing through the catwalks. The Pegasus grabbed me, dragging me away as chunks of walkway and scaffolding came raining down. I, I couldn't find anything to put her in, I said, looking up into the eyes of my friend. 
showing him the glowing ball of ash wrapped gingerly in my magic. It was so small, it seemed hardly enough to have been a filly. Calamity sat me down in the shelter of the bathroom as another blast from one of the raptor's magical energy cannons burned a hole the size of a chariot through the side of the statue. Engulfing warm smiles in. If there were any ponies inside, they were incinerated within seconds by the fuchsia-coloured flames. Calamity looked at the ash I was holding, his bewildered expression shifting to wounded understanding. He looked around and dug an empty sparkle corner out of the trash bin. Here, little pip. Put her in here. My world had become that ash. With a gentle reverence, I magically funneled the filly into the bottle. It glowed a soft, off-pink. I floated out a bottle cap, screwing it on tight. Okay, little pip. She's taken care of. Calamity was telling me. Now, I need you back. I know it's hard, and I know it hurts. But we need you here, and now. I stared at him, wondering how he could be so close, and yet so far away. Did you understand me, little pip? All around us, ponies were fleeing in terror, trying to get to the exits. They didn't have there weren't enough boats. The thundering of the guns was thinning out. Calamity slapped me, hard across the face with his forehoof. I gasped, lifting a hoof from my cheek in surprise. I could hear screams and nearby explosions. Pony's lives are counted on you, little pip, Calamity said, drawing my attention to a focus. You'll gotta pull yourself together. Hurt tomorrow, help today. I slowly nodded, coming to my senses like a swimmer fighting her way to the ocean's surface. Taking the bottle of ash from my saddlebags, I looked at Calamity. What can I do to help? Calamity smiled, looking ready to collapse in relief. Thunder. Cannons of the left raptor flashed, sending magical energy blasts into the statue, tearing through its reinforced copper skin and into the city beyond. The other raptor floated impassively. That second raptor stopped firing after taking out the last of the harper guns. Radar informed me. We need to take out that last raptor. Shaking his head, he added, Really wish I knew why they were so hard to get me. Radar looked at me apologetically. 
I would have gone out myself, but Freshwater wouldn't let me. Threatened to shoot me if I did. He looked up. I'd go now, but it don't matter anymore. He was right. The Enclave had gone this far. They weren't planning on leaving survivors. An Enclave Pegasus pulling a war wagon drove towards the ponies spilling out of the statue. With a kick of her hoof, a door beneath the wagon snapped open and bombs began to fall. Helpless ponies were now rent apart. Their bodies flung in tatters by detonations of savage energy. Calamity stood up, taking aim. Spitfire's thunder tore at the air, the shot piercing the war wagon. The explosion ripped apart the sky. Good shot! Radar praised gently. Calamity was breathing heavily, looking near tears himself. Not fast enough. I none of this is worth me, Radar said. I followed his gaze to the blasted ground, bloodied with the shredded bodies of innocent ponies. The crushing grief that had overwhelmed my soul was breaking apart, slowly replaced with a building war cry. This wasn't right. This was evil, and I had to stop it. I think you can turn this whole thing around if you shut down that last raptor, Radar reported. I'd do it myself, but... He looked down. Not as fit as I used to be. Looking up again, he added, And not a word of that to Dr. Freshwater, you hear? We'll do it, I told Radar, turning to Calamity. I have a plan. I stared at the burning wreckage of the docks. The Enclave had bombed the ships. No pony was getting off the island by boat. The delivery wagon for absolutely everything was scattered in burning fragments across the water and along the sagging, demolished piers. I looked at it to do in empathetic horror, but the glowing ghoul merely shrugged, writing, It's just a wagon, on her chalkboard. As the glowing pegasus flew out over the devastation, my eyes caught sight of something crimson and green floating in the water. A pony's forehoof, bloody and ragged. A memory bubbled to the surface of my brain. Help me! Ambrosia had rasped. She had been dying inside her armour, pinned by part of the terminal bank, half sunk in the tainted water that was spraying into the room, her body already twisted and malformed. I hadn't been able to reach her. I had barely been quick enough spreading Zenith scoop over the ragged stump of my hind leg before I had bled out. I downed every healing potion I had. The loss of blood had left me so weak and dizzy I couldn't levitate anything heavier than one of the coffee cups. My blood had left a wet crimson river pouring out from beneath the slab that was holding me down, flowing into the tainted water, making it pink in the light of my pit buck. Help me! She had whimpered, her voice filled with torment. Please, kill me! I'd wanted to. For the love of merciful Celestia, I'd wanted to. But shy of trying to beat her to death with a coffee cup, there'd be nothing I could do. Then a voice in my head who reminded me that that wasn't true. There was one thing I could do. I remembered focusing my magic, lifting up her visor. Her eyes hadn't been in the right places anymore. Only one of them, engorged and strange, had stared out at me, tortured beyond the telling of it. As I stood near the docks, watched that bobbing, severed hoof, I recalled thinking, Maybe not a sword, but there is enough blood for a dagger. The memory broke, leaving me shaken. I tried to dredge up what had happened next, but there was only blackness where the memory should have been. 
It took her less than a minute of fluttering about the debris and floating crates before her friend de Gaulle returned to me, her eyes looking in different directions, a smile on her muzzle and a stealth buck in her hooves. I shook myself from my morbid reverie and added the stealth buck to the other equipment I had acquisitioned. I shuddered. What had happened to me that I could look at a poor pony's dismembered stump and not want to scream? The equestrian wasteland had poisoned my soul. Above us, the hostile raptor fired a blast at the crown of a pony of friendship, engulfing one of the sniper platforms in deadly magic. I pulled it to do with me, taking cover against the copper robes of the statue as chunks of burning flesh rained down. Calamity swooped up next to us, dodging falling debris as he dropped two sets of enclave armor at my hooves, scavenged from the bodies of Pegasi taken out by the snipers. Two? I asked him. I can't wear one of those. I pointed out dryly. Horn? No wings? Did he do jab me with a hoof? What? My eyes widened as I literally put two and two together. Wait, Ditsy, you can't come with us. We're going into a fight. She's lived 200 years, Calamity reminded me. I reckon she can take care of herself. Little miss two months out of the stable. Ditsy do leveled a look at me as explosions shook the island. Calamity hefted up Spitfire's thunder, searching for the war wagon on a bombing run. Okay, fine, you're coming. I acquiesced locking the stealth buck into my pit leg and locking everything we weren't taking, including Calamity's battle saddle, in a nearby crate. Suit up! Ditty Doo gave me a one-hoofed salute and started dressing, hiding her brilliant ghoulish body completely inside the black insectoid armour. This is Raptor Pirate Luminous to Raptor Altastratus. Respond immediately! As Calamity and Ditty Doo, disguised as Enclave soldiers, Flew us closer to the black moor of the attacking raptor's hangar, my pit black latched onto a new signal, one which wasn't playing the Enclave's continuous public broadcast, and decrypted it. I found myself listening to the Pegasus inter-warship military frequency. This is Commander Thundershare of the Raptor Pyrocluminus to Commander Icebreak of the Raptor Altastratus. Why have you stopped firing? The authoritative voice of the commanding mayor asked, clearly attempting to communicate with the unresponsive second raptor. You are required to respond. Calamity landed on the raptor's lower flight deck, dropping my invisible self and the sacks I was carrying onto the black metal floor lined with small pulsing guide lights. He trotted up to the hangar door, looking over the access terminal. I moved up next to him, ditty do watching our flank as he attempted to hack into it. As expected, the access terminal had a cloud interface. I could offer him advice, but once again I was denied the chance to do this myself. Commander Thundershare, this is Commander Icebreak. The enemy is defenceless. The battle has been won. Raptor Altastratus is standing down. A second Pegasus Mayor replied in a dignified, reserved voice. A wing is standing by to retrieve the prisoner as soon as Raptor Pyrocluminus disengages. Ditsy Doo gave a little dance in her armour. Apparently, she was picking up the transmission too. The rebellion of the second Raptor filled her heart with delight. Almost got it. Calamity grunted. I turned back to the terminal, scanning the lines of code he had brought up. Somewhere in that matrix was the password. Commander Icebreak, those are not your orders. Resume firing. With all due respect, Commander Thundershire, no. After two failed tries, we located the correct password. Pragmatism. The heavy blast door sealing the hangar slid aside. The high ceiling was laced with humming lights 
identical to those I grew up with as stable too, but more sparsely placed, leaving the hangar feeling dark and cold. Large, heavily armoured windows along the roof let in the grey twilight of late evening between mounted magical energy turrets. I imagine that the hangar would have been bright and almost pleasant if those windows were letting in the pure sunlight of midday above the cloud curtain. Enclave technicians and internal soldiers wearing the light combat version of Enclave armour moved above busily. Rows of war wagons lined the edges of the hangar. Red fireboxes were mounted at intervals along the walls. Racks of bombs stood between the observation windows at the far back. On the other side, Enclave officers split their attention between watching the hangar and monitoring the war chatter. Damn it! Icebreak! Operation Cauterizer's in effect. This is straight from the Enclave High Council. The mayor commanding the raptor we had boarded reminded her peer. You have your orders. Now lock your target and resume firing, or you or your entire crew will be guilty of disaffection. Ditty Do and Calamity had moved off together, moving like they had a purpose, like they belonged. So long as they didn't do anything suspicious, they should be ignored. Meanwhile, I galloped silently up to the first war wagon. I only had one standard stealth box worth of time to do this, and I had already spent half of that just getting up here and inside. Raptor Pyrocluminus, the ponies of Raptor Altostratus regret to inform you that we will not slaughter helpless crown ponies, no matter what our orders say. I reached the first wagon and bucked the switch that opened its bomb door, floating two of the homemade bombs out of the first sack. I wedged them up next to the war wagon's payload. The bombs had been built using the schematics for the bottle cap mine that Ditty Do had given me. It felt like ages ago. But instead of cherry bombs and bottle caps, these lunchboxes carried explosive munitions used in the now-destroyed, smaller-caliber harbor guns. Mayor Blackseeds had donated the supplies. Ditty Do had helped me make them. A lot of them. But... Commander Thundershare spluttered in disbelief as I moved to the next war wagon. By our great leaders, this is mutiny icebreak. Think about what you're doing. They'll have your crew for treason. There was no response from Commander Icebreak or the other raptor. I planted two more bombs and moved to a third war wagon. Shadows played across the hangar. I looked up, watching through the ceiling windows as the huge magical energy cannons mounted on top of the raptor's top deck swiveled to the left. I could hear the belly-mounted cannons still firing on Friendship City. Raptor Altostratus, this is Raptor Pyrocluminus. The commander barked. You will lock your target and resume firing, or we will fire on you. Finishing with the third wagon, I dashed to the first of the bomb racks, setting bombs as quickly as I could. I spared a glance towards Calamity and Ditsy Do. They'd been waylaid by an enclave officer who was demanding something of our speechless ghoul. She can't talk, Calamity was saying, prevaricating swiftly. Battle wound to the throat. Beside him, Ditsy Do nodded, eagerly backing Calamity's story. Look, I'm a CO, so anything you need to ask her, you can ask me. The Enclave officer, a youthful grey buck with a black mane and a quill for a cutie mark, looked between my two disguised friends, insisting, We don't have any soldiers on Raptor Paracluminus with that kind of injury. He stared at Calamity suspiciously, and I don't recognise that accent. Where did you say you were from again? Every pony in the hangar froze turning their gazes upwards as Raptor Pyrocluminus opened fire on her sister. I scrambled to place my makeshift explosives on the second and third bomb racks. I was getting close to where the officer was interrogating my Pegasus friends. Calamity flapped his wings in irritation. Look, he grumbled. We're from the Adelstratus. Command over there's gone disloyal. We got out while we could. Well, that is to be commended, the buck told him. 
wrenching his eyes from the windows above. But under the circumstances, I'm afraid I'm going to have to place you both in the brig until the battle is over. The young officer revolves in place, looking for the nearest soldiers. Your loyalty will be determined by a tribunal once we're cloudside again. Oh, hell! Calamity hissed as he stepped back, striking down the officer with a sting of his armoured tail. Ditsy-Doo backtrotted, her body language betraying shock. Time to go! Calamity shouted as bolts of coloured light whizzed throughout the hangar, the soldiers and defensive turrets reacting swiftly. I floated the signal detonator out next to me, dropping the sack of lunchbox explosives at the base of the last bomb rack, and galloped. Beams of magical energy struck at Ditsy-Doo and Calamity, peeling away at their protective, magically-powered armour. One of the shots disintegrated a plate of Ditsy's armour, the sickly yellow-green light of her irradiated ghoul body shining out of the hole in the black carapace. I kicked the stealth buck out of my pip leg, giving the turrets and soldiers another target. Thunder rumbled through the hangar from outside as one of the pyrocluminous's cannons struck something vital in the outer stratus. Calamity and Ditsy-Doo shot out of the hangar, several pegasi in hot pursuit. I felt the first scorching blast lance off my cantlot police armour, sizzling it, as I reached the landing platform. I wrapped myself in my magic, making myself weightless, and jumped. Beneath us, the cantered form of the raptor Altostratus was bellowing smoke, its left side thundercloud dispersed, gaping holes flowing in its framework as it dropped slowly out of the sky. One of the pyrocluminous's belly cannons swiveled and fired on the ruined warship as it crashed into Friendship Bridge, tearing apart catastrophically. I triggered the detonator. Behind me, light and heat erupted from the hangar of a pyrocluminous. A draconic roar building with the cascade of explosions. A massive blast of fire buffeted me, sending me spinning through the sky. My magic imploding as the bomb racks went up like a volcanic Armageddon. Magical fire rending the Enclave warship in half. This time, it was Ditsy Doo who caught me. Her Enclave armour was perforated, her helmet gone. Glowing ichor seeped out of numerous painful wounds. But she was grinning one of her eyes starting to stare at me as she gave a squeaky victory cheer. My heart lifted at her in jubilation, but then sank again as I looked out of the burning pony of friendship. The smoke of an incinerated city and murdered ponies blackly bellowing out of the glowing wounds carved by magical destructive energy. We almost made it into Fetlock before the Enclave caught us. It was the dead of night. Thunderclouds above rumbled angrily, still threatening a terrible storm. We had fled Friendship Island. After snatching up the crate with all of our belongings, drawing off as many of the remaining Enclave soldiers as we could, most of them had abandoned the fight when all their warships had fallen, but a few had been determined enough to continue to mop up, and were engaged by the remaining security ponies. Thanks to our help, a little over a quarter of Friendship City's population still survived. Radar and Chief Lantern were not amongst the living. Both were killed when the Pyrocluminous took out their sniper platform. Calamity had begun withdrawn and laconic since the news. The survivors were still trapped on the island. The Pyrocluminous had destroyed their boats and their docks. The crash of the Altostratus had wiped out a section of the bridge. Once we got back to Stable 29, we intended to enlist the aid of the Applejack's rangers. I was certain that the needs of nearly 200 suffering ponies would draw Velvet Remedy out of her shell. But Ditty Doo was wounded, more than she let on, and as we drew close to the edge of Manhattan, she'd begun flagging. So we landed in the ruins of a building, which, based on the plate and silverware design, still visible on the badly deteriorated and half-buried sign, 
had once been a diner, or from the horseshoe motif running along the top of its one standing wall, possibly a shoe shop. When the ruins had turned up empty, Calamity had taken Spitfire's thunder and flown into the rubble of the apartment building next door, searching for food, Radaway, or anything else he could find. This left me sitting on the edge of the ruins, staring across the street. Ditsy Doo had discarded the ruined enclave armour and was splashing playfully in a glowing puddle of radioactive waste spilled from the back of a wagon bearing the MAS logo. I couldn't help but smile at her antics as the glowing ghoul rolled in the waste, the radiation healing her wounds. This wasn't helping her condition, but now that the Doctors of Friendship City had talked to how to relieve herself of the build-up quickly, Ditidoo was considerably less worried. Catching my eye, she shook herself off, flinging glowing goop all over the wagon and the rubble around her, and then began to trot back to me, closing her eyes and concentrating as she did. Her body pulsed with a flash of radiation that drove her face planting into the broken asphalt of the street. She stood back up, her eyes reeling in different directions, and then giggled at her own clumsiness. As she reached me, she set down her chalkboard, scribbling out, Absolutely everything does not have boats. Must fix. Don't worry, I assured her. We'll get those ponies to safety. Daisy Doo nodded happily and kicked her chalkboard up, dipping her head and expertly catching the neck loop so that it hung again against her fleshy breast. Do not move. The armour-augmented voice cut through the darkness. I immediately cursed myself, bringing my eyes forward sparkle up. We have you surrounded. There were red lights all over my compass. I looked towards the crate that still held most of my weapons. I had retrieved little Macintosh, but the zebra rifle and the sniper rifle were still inside. I did a quick mental calculation of how many armor-piercing bullets I had left for my favorite gun, how long it would take to reload, and the chances that they would kill my now unarmored ghoul companion before I could take them down. With a heavy sigh, I responded, We surrender! Ditsy Doo poked at the blue field of our magical energy cage with her hoof, making an OW sound, something she didn't need a tongue for. I stared through the field at the enclave soldiers milling about outside. A technician Pegasus sat next to the terminal which controlled the energy cages. There were others, but ours was the only one occupied. I noted glumly that it had a cloud interface. Next to it was an enclave crate where little Macintosh was imprisoned. My pit book was clicking steadily. Being locked in here with Ditsy Doo was bathing me in radiation. I noticed gloomily that the scrapes and bruises I'd acquired in Friendship City were all fading away, and that my stomach was beginning to churn unpleasantly, threatening to divest me of my previous lunch. Poke. Ow! Poke. Ow! These ponies aren't from the attack on Friendship City. I observed with a whisper, watching an enclave officer toss her emptied bottle of Sunrise Sarsaparilla into a trash bin that was beginning to overflow. I'd glimpsed an enclave antenna array as they marched us to the cages. They've been camped here for a while now. I looked at Ditsy Doo. Any guesses what they're up to? Ditsy Doo looked to me and shook her head, the last wisps of her mane flapping about. And then she turned back to the blue, crackling one in front of her. Poke. Ow! A mustard-coated pegasus in the light enclave combat armour, identical, I noted, to the armour I had first seen Rainbow Dash showing off to her friends, stopped his walking patrol to lift his visor and glare at Ditsy Doo. Would you cut that out? He growled. Y'all are giving me a headache. Poke. Ow! Aye, he barked to me. Can't you get your little monster to knock it off? Nope, I replied. 
as I caught movement in the corner of my eye. Gazing out, I saw Calamity moving up on a high ridge of rubble. Our cavalry had arrived. I shifted away and lowered my head, trying to look forlorn and pathetic, burying my face in my hooves to allow myself to serendipitously watch Calamity without alerting any of the ponies keeping an eye on us. Calamity shifted Spitfire's thunder into position, peering down the scope at all the pegasi around us. I waited, my nerves alive with anticipation. Calamity stared at the other pegasi and did not fire. Calamity? I whispered to myself. Slowly, Calamity called back, sliding Spitfire's thunder away and disappeared. Dixie had dropped her chalkboard next to me. He isn't going to rescue us? Calamity? I thought, feeling apprehensive and a little hurt. What are you doing? Two pegasi in fearsome onyx armour marched Calamity into the camp at the tips of their viciously sharp tails. The rust-coloured Dashite walked in front of them, his wings held high. Oh, damn it, Calamity! Up you go! One of the pegasi ordered as the technician lowered the field around one of the magical energy cages. She prodded Calamity up onto the platform. He cantered around to stare at her as the blue field washed up between them. I moved as close to him as our cage would allow. The shielded cage was beginning to feel uncomfortably warm. Calamity? I hissed. What? Calamity just looked at me sadly. I'm sorry, little pip. I... I just couldn't. Even after what they just did? Are you serious? Calamity shifted uncomfortably and nodded, offering no explanation. But an explanation was forthcoming. Well, looky who we have here. It was the Pegasus buck who had growled at Ditsy Do. He was trotting up, looking like a colt who had just gotten his cutie mark. If it ain't my little brony. His little what now? Hello, pride. Calamity said dourly. I see they're just letting any pony into the enclave these days. Hi, the mustard-coloured pony hissed. Ah, ain't the trader here. No, Calamity jabbed. Y'all are just washed out. Three times, no less. You know him? I asked. Pride turned to me with a grin. Oh, y'all friends? He looked from Calamity to us and back in an exaggerated astonishment. Well, why do you know? Little Calamity actually managed to make some friends. He rolled his eyes, adding, A munchkin mare and a monster. Pride smirked at us. Y'all should really choose a better friend, the enclave buck said nastily. Calamity here is a flying disaster. Leaning close to me just beyond the blue field, Pride nickered like he was about to tell me a secret. I stood up, glaring through the energy barrier at him. You know why father named him Calamity? The buck asked far too loudly. Father? Pride was Calamity's brother? No wonder he wouldn't shoot. I suddenly flashed back to the first argument Velvet Remedy had with us about eating meat. Oh, we can eat meat all right. Just don't much like to. Ain't really good for our diet. Calamity had asserted. My brothers used to challenge me to heart attack eating contests. Which mostly meant them shoving the disgusting things down my throat. Calamity's brother grinned maliciously, because he killed our mother coming out. I dropped back on my haunches, the cruelty of Pride's claim knocking the wind from me. The little pony in my head cried at the pain such vicious words must be causing my friend. But Calamity only looked bored. There again? He drawled, unimpressed. You ain't signed me for six years, and all in that time you don't come up with anything new. The orange-maned Pegasus shook his head. 
Back when I was a Black Flag Carlton, all you would tell me was that. And I'm bald for hours. But in case you haven't noticed, that was a long time ago. And I ain't a little foal no more. Pride sneered. Really? Strange. I don't see no cute mark on your baby brother. Calamity rolled his eyes. And you know why, he spat. The mustard-coated enclave pony laughed, stomping a hoof on the ground. That I do. He peered into Calamity's cage at his little brother. And I should be thanking you. Branding that mark off your flanks was my right of passage into the enclave. I reeled. Calamity's own brother had branded his cutie mark off. Then again, y'all should be thanking me. Pride snarked. Who wants a picture of a hammer on their flank anyway? He swiveled back to Calamity. Ow, that's got a sting. Knowing you abandoned your own kind, became a filthy traitor, and all you had to do was wait a few more years. My loyalty was, and always has been, to the ponies of Equestria. Calamity glared back. And my fault the Enclave's allegiance is on its head self. If they were what they pretended to be, they'd have been down here with me. Still spotted them horse apples, little brother. Pride jabbed. Well, in case y'all missed it, we're here now. So, Pride, Calamity asked tiredly, what's this all really about? Because it ain't the Grand Pegasus Enclave swooping to the rescue. I ain't seen a single civilian. This is a military operation, through and through. Pride nickered. Haven't y'all been listening to the radio? There's a bastard pony named Red Eye who's messing with shit that he ain't to mess with. You mean the sing... Calamity quickly corrected himself. Sustainable Pegasus Project. Ah, yep. Something he did alert the higher-ups and they started digging into all the shit he's been doing with one of our towers. None too bright, that Red Eye. Left all sorts of clues to what he's been doing his oozing. I frowned. Careless was not Red Eye's nature. On the other hoof... If the Enclave could override DJ Pone 3's signal from the MASEBS, they could very possibly be able to access things that Red Eye reasonably expected to be secure. Or Red Eye could be setting them up somehow. From what I saw in Friendship City, the Enclave was sowing the seeds of their own destruction just by being here. And that was before taking into account what my friends and I were going to do to them. And what's that got to do with them blasting the royal city off the side of the mountain? Calamity questioned. Why don't y'all just fly over and kill him? What's Operation Carterize? Pride pulled up short. Where'd you hear that? I have my sources, Calamity said cryptically, holding a hoof to his breast. Pride glared at my friend for a good spell before finally saying, Don't do the Enclave no good to just kill the bastard. Even if we take him down, some pony else might step into his hoof prints and try to finish what he started. So what, they have to take out Red Eye and Stern? To protect the Enclave and the Pegasus race, we gotta take our Red Eye. Those who've had told and any pony else who might know about the Sustainable Pegasus Project. Pride stated firmly. And get rid of the last Earthside hubs of the damn Ministry of Awesome so no pony else can ever stumble across what Red Eye did. Goddesses. That's why they were after Radar. He'd been in the MAW. There would be Enclave troops hunting us down for the same reason. The gears in my mind started churning. Amarge was a target too. Who else? The little pony on my head started piecing together a picture that filled me with dread. The Enclave had tried to wipe Friendship City off the map. Tends not to leave loose ends. The voice I now recognised as Commander Thundershire had said. He didn't want to just murder Radar. He might have told other members of the science team. And they might have told friends or family. In Thundershire's mind, 
the whole city was infected and they all had to perish. How many degrees of separation before the Enclave wouldn't consider Sunpony a threat? How far were they planning to go? Y'all are talking about mass murder, Calamity breathed. I know where the Enclave thinks it can be Equestria's savior after this. His eyes narrowed, his gaze sharper than a dagger. But then, they don't have a plan on rejoining Equestria, do they? Pride gave Calamity a pitying look. So what's the plan then? Calamity stomped. The civilians gotta see something's up. The Enclave planning to wrap this up as a big scouting mission? Oh, we thought that maybe it's just time for us to descend. But after a prolonged aspiration, we realized that it just ain't feasible. Better wait another 200 years? Something like that, Pride said dismissively. We sat in our magical cages in silence as dawn began to colour the horizon. I was supremely tired, but none of us actually felt like sleeping. Calamity had apologised again, several times in fact, until I had nearly shouted at him that it was okay. I'd spent the last two hours contemplating how I could levitate the weapons I could get my magic on and use them to wipe out the camp. Right now, while most of it was asleep, I figured I had a good chance of pulling it off. But then we'd still be stuck in these cages. I wiped the sweat from my forehead, trembling slightly. My EFS was warning me that my radiation exposure had reached critical levels. I had to try something, but it would have to be something that worked. I wouldn't survive in here long enough to get another chance. Ditty Doo was huddled on the far corner of the cage, keeping away from me as best she could, but in this small space it didn't really matter. Calamity was laying down in his cage, looking morose. I'm sure Pride was wrong. I told my friend through the shields between us. About your father, I mean. He wouldn't have named you after the death of your mother. Calamity's muzzle gave me a wry smile. I could never bring myself to ask, but knowing my father, he probably did. Luna's mercy. That was horrible. I... I'm sorry. Calamity, but I kind of hate your father right now. Calamity smiled, sitting up. Oh, that's okay, little Pip. He'd be happy to hear it. I winced. Everyone hates my father. That's his job. Most loathed bastard in all the Enclave. Your father is Enclave too? I breathed, my mind suddenly conjuring images of Calamity's father as a member of the Enclave High Council, possibly even the stallion behind Operation Cauterize. Goddesses, don't put Calamity through that. It's not fair. Ayup, Calamity said a grim smile playing across his face. Drill Sergeant at Navarro. He stood up, raising his wings and dropping his voice mockingly. A hammer? Your cutie mark is a fucking hammer? That had better be a hammer down your enemies, boy! Or you're the sorriest excuse for a son that I ever did say! Wow. Calamity sat back down, chuckling a little despite himself. Ay, yep, that's my dad. He shook his mane, looking at me. And his surprised how far of his bucks ended up in the Enclave? Suddenly, my mother felt like a blessing. So, I said, trying to strike up conversation while I searched for a solution to our predicament. Your cutie mark was a hammer. Calamity looked up. A yup, and a screwdriver. Your cutie mark was tools? It's not what I had expected. I would have imagined my friend with crosshairs on his flank or a bullseye although that would hardly be the best thing to be sorting on your flank in the equestrian wasteland. Still, this was calamity. 
The pony who delighted in fixing up the Sky Bandit and making it fly again. Who put on armor and a pony rack. Who repaired everything from firearms to dresses. I thought of him as a sharpshooter, but thinking about it, I realized that every weapon he'd used, aside from Spitfire's Thunder, was a weapon he had modified or built himself. He'd even jury-rigged his Enclave armor to allow him to shoot it without wearing the helmet. Dittidoo trotted up, pressing her chalkboard against the shield, making it crackle. Calamity peered, reading, Story? He looked at me, baffled. Cocking my head at Dittidoo, I guessed, I think she wants to hear your cutie mark story. With a smile, I added, I think I do too. Cutie marks don't matter, Calamity told us drearily. Come on! I encouraged, clopping my hooves on the floor of the cage. Story! Story! Dittidoo joined in. Calamity rolled his eyes and shot me a look. Fine, but y'all gotta share yours too. He tipped his desperado hat, thinking. When I was a little cult, Calamity began, all I wanted to do was make Father proud of me, which was nearly impossible even for my big brothers. I was never going to be as big or as strong as them, so I practiced shooting. First year I tried the Young Sharpshooters competition, I came in third. Father was so disappointed. I winced. I tried to tell him that I tried my best, but he told me that that meant my best was pathetic. I said it wasn't my fault, that the old gun he'd given me was all weighted funny and hard to aim. He told me that I should have fixed it better then. Calamity shook his head, digging a hoof at the cell floor. So that's what I did. I spent all year tinkering with that gun, fixing the sights, building a custom muzzle grip, and a weight to the shoulder brace so it was more balanced. And next year, I placed first. Calamity looked up at me, tears in his eyes. That was the first time my father ever smiled at me. First time he ever told me I'd done good. He stared into the morning sky. The rising sun was painting the clouds with a glorious orange and pink and gold. When I got home and took off my competitor's burden, there they were, a hammer and a screwdriver. Best damn my life. He looked down, reaching back a hoof to ruffle his mane. Till I met you and Velvet, of course. I was dead last amongst my peers to get my cutie mark, I told them. All the other cults and fillies who have been in my class had gotten their cutie marks a full two years before, and the overmare wanted to put me to work. I explained. Normally in Stable 2, we were assigned the jobs we would have for the rest of our lives based on our cutie marks. Without mine, the overmare just couldn't assign me. So she drew on some ancient bylaw created by Stable 2's first overmare, which allowed her to have me temporarily apprentice under a variety of positions until something sparked my cutie mark to appear. Mostly... She had me try out a number of administrative and technical apprenticeships, since those were the areas most unicorns were assigned to anyway. I looked down at the pit buck, grossly infused into the flesh of my leg. We were supposed to get our pit bucks after we got our cutie marks and our job assignment. Biting my lower lip, I thought back. One day, while I was apprenticing with the head pit buck technician, a worried couple slipped into the pit buck technician's stall. Their son had gone missing, and he'd run off during his cutie mark party. Somehow he'd gotten himself lost in the stable and they couldn't find him. Calamity was staring at me, a little bewildered. He remembered how small and enclosed stables were compared to the outside world. One of the most overlooked capabilities of a pit buck is that it can track tagged objects. Mostly this is used for the automapper. My pit buck came loaded with a whole slew of preset location tags. I'm still getting surprised by occasional you are here messengers on my eyes forward sparkle. 
I smiled a little, remembering how astonished I was that my pitbuck knew the name of Sweet Apple Lakers. Every pitbuck has a tag, allowing any pony with that tag code and another pitbuck to locate them. My mentor was asleep, which was not uncommon for him. So I hacked into his terminal and downloaded the tag code for the Colt's new pitbuck into one of the new ones I'd been working on. I took the tools that allowed me to unlock it and put the pitbuck on, bringing up an eyes forward sparkle for the first time. Keying the EFS compass into the Colt's tag, I slipped through the stable until I found him. The Colt had managed to get himself locked in the maintenance shed for the apple orchard. It was after hours and no pony had been around to hear his banging yelling. I didn't want to get the Colt in trouble. So instead of fetching one of the gardener ponies, I picked the lock and got him out myself. I gave a weak grin. Of course, he went and told every pony how I had rescued him. And so I got in trouble for appropriating the pitbuck and for picking the lock. But at least my mentor covered for me about the hacking. And the other wasn't going to press the issue, seeing as my new cutie mark dictated that I would be with him for a good long while. Smiling softly at the memory, I concluded. It was the first time I felt I'd ever done anything useful. Something really good. I don't think either of us have been expecting Ditsy Doo to join in the storytelling. Hell, we couldn't even tell what the ghoul's cutie mark had been. So both Calamity and I were surprised when the glowing Pegasus dropped her chalkboard at my hooves and prodded me to read, and then prodded me harder, reminding me to read aloud so Calamity could hear. It took a great many pauses while Ditsy wiped the chalkboard clean and wrote a few more words before her simple story was told. Uncle owned a moving wagon company. Uncle let me help. He didn't let me do much carrying. Said I was clumsy. But he let me ride around in the wagon and called me his little mascot. I liked it. It was fun to help ponies move into a new home. I liked seeing them happy. Especially families. Super especially when they had fillies or colts my age. Once, there was a family who was sad about moving. They had a little filly and a little occult, but they were scared of me because my eyes were different. So I made funny faces and got them to laugh at me, and then they were happy. And then I took them back to where uncle kept all the packing supplies, and I showed them the most fun thing in the entire world, bubble wrap. They loved popping all the bubbles, especially little Pokey. We had fun all day long. Uncle told me that was when I got my cutie mark, but I was having too much fun to notice. I had almost come up with a plan when Pride snuck past our cages to the terminal. Poking it with a hoof, he brought down the walls of magical energy. Calamity jumped up, leaping off the cage platform. What the hey? Just go, Pride hissed. I whispered to Calamity, pointing at the enclave crate the little Macintosh was locked away in. Open that, Calamity said, pointing his hoof, and we will. Pride gnashed his teeth in exasperation and went to work on the crate. So, Calamity said as the crate hissed open. I've loaded out little Macintosh and the few other items they'd taken from Ditsy Doo and I. We escaped? Something like that. I don't know. But y'all gotta get. Pride looked round nervously. Listen, word just came down. Operation Carteraz has been extended to Isle Dashites. Next time I see you, I'll be shooting you. Understand? Calamity nodded. Gee! I've got the sudden, unnatural urge to hug you, big brony. Ditsy Doo moved up, holding a chalkboard in her teeth with two words written across it. New Appaloosa. Pride gave us an ugly look. Red Eye's favourite trading town? The one that gave him the bomb he set off, assassinating a member of the High Council? Enclave dispatched a full regiment there at first light. 
Ditsy Doo stumbled back at the news, the chalkboard dropping from her open muzzle. Monster, Pride said darkly. I'd be surprised if there was even a cradle left by now. Ditsy Doo's eyes were wide, her pupils huge and centred dead ahead, seeing something beyond Pride, a strangled squeak coming from her throat. She didn't even need to speak for me to know that one thing was on her mind. Silver Bell. I heard the Lavender Filly's voice from two days before, crying out, Mummy. Ditsy Doo broke into flight, head of New Appaloosa. Calamity scooped me up, giving chase, diverting only far enough for me to telekinetically scoop up Spitfire's thunder from the rubble where he'd left it. Four raptors were positioning themselves over New Appaloosa, squads of black-armoured pegasi flying about the sky between them. The town was still standing, but we could see Enclave soldiers swooping to strike down ponies who were trying to flee the walls. Ditsy Doo pulled up, hovering in the air, a look of dismay etched upon her face. Calamity bristled, his eyes narrowing in anger as a pegasus dove at a running mare, opening up with a rapid-fire burst of light that turned the fleeing pony into glowing blue dust. Damn it, little Pip! We gotta stop this! He was near the breaking point. I could hear it in his voice. Before we could react, Ditsy Doo zoomed forward again, flying right into the heart of the Enclave forces. The Pegasi whipped about as the glowing one shot past them. They started chasing her, but quickly stopped shooting after their first blasts missed and hit one of the raptors. Calamity set me down and started off after her, but I grabbed him by the tail in my teeth. Whoa, that's suicide! I knew we were about to lose Ditsy Doo, and probably Zenith and Silverbell. I was be damned if I was going to lose Calamity too. We need a plan! Ditsy Doo had stopped in the centre of the Enclave forces. They had her surrounded, but they couldn't shoot without risking hitting their own. Several more armoured Pegasi moved in, their tails curling to strike as soon as they got within range. The burst of light and radiation from the glowing Pegasus sent the encroaching Enclave Pegasi reeling as Ditsy Doo almost shot straight up into the air, beating her nearly featherless wings as fast and hard as she could. The Enclave Pegasi gave chase. They started to fire again, but Ditsy Doo blasted out radiation, each time blinding her pursuers as it shot her up higher. Two of the raptors swivelled their topside cannons around, scorching the air with magical death, but the huge weapons were too inaccurate to hit their quickly ascending target. After half a dozen missed shots, they left the escaping ghoul to the black-armoured soldiers chasing her. The glow of Ditsy Doo illuminated a patch of dark storm clouds as she disappeared into them. Then the glow faded and she was gone. The ponies following her stopped, hovering in the air, and several began to turn back. Inside, I knew that she would, any moment, break through the top of the cloud curtain and see true sunlight for the first time in probably 200 years. The little pony in my head shed a tear. Then reality snapped back. Did to do it distracted the enclave? She'd given us a window, and we were missing it. Okay! I said quickly to Calamity as I slipped the MG Stealth Buck 2 into my malformed pick leg. Here's the plan. Whoa, Calamity said, looking up. I turned, following his gaze, as a spot of golden green light dropped out of the clouds. I knew what it was, but I still lifted my binoculars to be sure. The first drops of the promised storm began to fall. Ditsy Doo had broken back through the cloud curtain, shooting past the top tier of the hovering Enclave soldiers before they could react. The ones who had started back down turned and sped in to catch her. The pulse of radioactive light and the black armoured Pegasi spinning out of control as she shot ahead like a rocket. 
The other Pegasi were reacting now, chasing after her, firing beams of multicolored light. Most missed. I gasped as some did not. Titidu jolted ahead, moving even faster. She was aiming right for the center space between the Enclave's raptors. The raptors were in position now, their belly cannons taking aim at New Appaloosa below, preparing to cleanse the town off the face of Equestria. My plan was quickly forgotten as I had formed it. All I could do was watch. Titidu was beyond the reach of her pursuers now, but not, it appeared, beyond the reach of their weapons. One of the Enclave ponies fired twin missiles at the Ghoul Pegasus as she streaked by, seeming nothing more than a glowing blur. The missiles spun, magically locking onto her, and then spiralled around each other, leaving a double helix of smoke in their wake as they chased behind her. The missiles were underturned and gaining speed, closing the distance as Dittidoo beat her wings, arrowing down at the Enclave about to destroy her town and kill her daughter. She was moving so fast that the odd air of the equestrian wasteland seemed to be warping about her. Her body was glowing brighter and brighter as she focused, building up for another burst. The sickly light pouring from her body was rippling in the air, shearing off her in washes of unearthly, diseased colours. The missiles seemed to reach her at the same time as she reached the raptors, and Ditsy Doo exploded. Footnote. Maximum level. Quest perk added. Touched by Taint 3. Exposure to taint has further altered your physiology. You are 20% faster and stronger whenever you're basking in the warm glow of radiation. Your action points regenerate faster and faster the higher your level of radiation sickness becomes. Your natural lifespan has increased dramatically. Motherfucking Enclave! It was about this time when they killed all Mixed down here in the south, leaving the station all to me. I miss that Pegasus, and guess all you do too. Now I'm reading about some of the other shit that the gameplay did around Manhattan, and it makes me want to take this here pistol and go and shoot whoever's in charge over there myself. I'm angry, but we're nearing the end of Pip's story, and I'm mighty glad you've stuck with me this whole time. Now here's some music for you. The Dashite song in memory of Mixer and all the other Dashites. I miss you, buddy. Enjoy, people.